is Brandon, and over the past year, the Delay Cafe team and I have traveled across the U.S. researching this rapidly growing industry of CBD products. What we have found throughout the industry were products that were inconsistent in dosage and used ingredients that weren't even lab tested. Products with chalky textures, bitter aftertaste, and worst of all, confusion among the CBD consumers. That's why we created Delight Cafe. A 15 milligram lab tested, all natural, water soluble hemp CBD powder pack. It's odorless, colorless, and tasteless. Add it to your favorite drink of choice wherever, whenever, on the go. Quickly find your calm, your balance, your delight when you need it. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brandon Croucher, CEO of Delight Cafe. We are honored today to have a really amazing guest. So his name is Callum. His life started not like your typical life. He had a single mother, lived in a trailer park in Northern Ontario, Canada. If you don't know how cold that is, let me give you a quick clue. Living in a house on wheels in negative 20 degree weather, hashtag, oh my God, <laughs> creates some challenges like their mom crawling under the trailer with a propane torch, thawing out the water lines so they can actually have running water. Fast forward to a career and his first passion of strength and conditioning. Somehow, this is his words, I, I, I've met him now for about five minutes in the background, somehow doesn't fit his energy. He is amazing. So somehow winning three gold medals as a strength and conditioning coach for Canada, as well as multiple gold medals as a member of the coach for the Canadian Special Olympics powerlifting team. So everybody that watches the show right off the bat, you know he's going to be one of my best friends just for that. Next is he had in the middle of, of it all, he started three companies, one failed, one is great, and most recently it's his fastest growing tech company operating in three different countries. How Collins even got into tech is ridiculous considering, you ready for this? This is my favorite part of his whole bio. He did not even own a cell phone until 2010. During all of this, Collins started a family, four kids, the best wife in the world, and a dog. His youngest child was born with macro and micro lymphatic malformation which landed her and his wife in the hospital fighting for their lives for eight weeks. But in all, they are happy, healthy, and the inspiration of his life. This has, this has, this has, it as is an experience has helped shape the character and love for his life. You see me stutter over my words and all that already this morning. It's been a long day. Guys, let's dive into this and have a wonderful experience. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Callan. Callan, how are you, my friend? I am uh, very good. That's thanks very much for the uh, introduction. That was wonderful. Oh, I just took your words and then made it where I've screwed them up. <laughs> so, it me to hear it. I don't know why. I always get nervous when I hear it all. I'm like, oh my God, I gotta live up to something. <laughs> oh gosh. See, well, here's the first thing. You right off the bat have like I gotta ask a question. How do you go to 2010 not having any type of thing? You're about my age, a little <laughs> younger, I'd assume. But like 
you have to have a pager back in the day. You had to have a flip cell phone back in the day. You had none of this. None of it. it and it was more just like stubbornness to kind of like prove a point all the time. You know, like people like you need a phone. I'm like, why? Can I borrow your phone? And they'd be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so, it, was, it was really just like, I was just stubborn like I just was like I'm not gonna do it like everyone's doing it and I, I was just like I'm not gonna do it and then I mean I ended up doing it and uh how could you not and now I mean what a tool like oh my god it's turned into uh like a piece of my life that just I leverage so much you know like I love oh, yeah. so much so so when was it hard for you to adapt to a cell phone or was it pretty easy because you already probably had a laptop and stuff um no i mean it was it was pretty straightforward i mean those uh i i, I wouldn't i didn't do apple because i was like i'm not doing those guys those guys are just going to take over my brain type deal so uh <laughs> i went with an with, with a samsung because i'm like nobody has those i mean it had to be different right and um so i went with that and they're, i mean they're they're pretty smart when they design these things. Like they make it pretty easy to get, uh, get navigate around and figure out how to do it. So, I, I mean, no, I, I adapted pretty quick, and uh, but I still have a lot of controls on my cell phone. Like it's not something that, uh, like, I, I, it can ring and text, and uh, like I don't touch it, right? Like it's not. I go there when I'm ready. I don't let it tell me when it's ready for me. I go there when I'm ready for it. You know. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So you have four kids having that mindset already do you have rules in place for as your kids grow up like hey nine o'clock at night no internet and then you have it like set up to turn off yeah i don't have one of those uh my wife and i don't have one of those like uh, router controllers or whatever um we just do it out of uh sheer discipline so yeah but we do uh take away electronics at night um from the kids don't let them sleep with them in their room and stuff and there's some, obviously we have monitors and measures and check throughout the days. Uh, so, I mean, the last two years, it's going to be in March. It's been kind of difficult because they're learning that way. And, you know, yeah. um, but not at night. Not, at night is no, like, there's no exceptions there. Like, that's just your time when uh, it just, you're not allowed it. <laughs> so you have four kids and I, I read a little bit about your youngest. I want to know a little more about that if you're open, because that seems like, Honestly, that would be very difficult as someone who I'm an uncle is how I say it to everybody. I have no kids, but I'm everybody's uncle. I couldn't imagine my wife and my young, my newest baby in the hospital for eight weeks. How was that for you? And how amazing is it now that like, does it feel like a blessing every single day uh, that you actually have them here now again? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it was kind of a crazy thing because we, we had already had three kids. So this was our youngest one. And we were living in uh, in the city, all our other kids, we were living in the country. So we never had a chance to have like a midwife. So with our youngest, we decided, you know what, we're gonna have a midwife, we're gonna have her at home. And uh, it was like, I think my wife was around five months pregnant and the midwife came and my wife was like, you know, I kind of got some pain in my side and I'm not really sure why. And we always said, well, you know what, like we should go and get an ultrasound. So I was at work and uh, my wife went in for an ultrasound and she called me, she said, you gotta go pick up the kids from school. They're not letting me leave. And uh, so I'm like, okay. So I went to get the kids and then uh, she was like put on bed rest because they had found like a tumor. Um, well, they didn't know at the time what it was, but it was all around her airways. Um, so they, didn't, they were like, okay, you know, we gotta put you on bed rest. We don't want you moving. Cause you know, they didn't want the something to shift or move. They didn't want the baby to move. So. 
And then uh, my wife had her with this process called an exit procedure, which is kind of insane. So they actually like, uh, it's kind of like a C-section where they open her up, but they don't actually cut the, uh, the embryonic sac. And then they spray like the stuff on it and then they intubate. So they go through my wife and use her as a life support system and they intubate the baby while it's still inside my wife uh, in order to secure the airway and then they pull her out. And so, I mean, there's like 20 doctors in the room. I wasn't, I'm not allowed. There's like 20 doctors because the doctors are like, these exit procedures don't happen very often. They're super rare. So, you know, they wanted to bring all the doctors that were training to be uh, uh, baby doctors. I can't remember the name of that right now, but. Uh, That's a good one. Yeah, that worked, right? Uh, I don't know which one you're going with, you know? <laughs> um, so they brought them, they had as many of them as, as they could fit almost, because, you know, you might go almost your whole career without ever seeing it, right? Yeah. And so they wanted all these young doctors to see it so that if they ever had to do it at some point, they would be familiar with the process. So, um, so anyways, you know, she comes out and they stabilize her, and then it's kind of a battle for days on end. There it is, pediatrician. Um, <laughs> And then, uh, you know, they, they stabilize them and, you know, the whole process was just kind of like, you know, we were fortunate enough to be able to go through it and kind of like even have the, like the means to be able to deal with the situation. Um, so I, I think looking at the whole thing, I mean, I just approached it from day one as just, uh, it's a great thing to have another kid, like no matter yeah. what, no matter what the circumstance was, it was just great to have another kid. Uh, every time I've had one, you know, my life has only ever got better. So um, I was just like, okay, well, life's going to get better again, right? So you just kind of, that was it. So you have a lot of accomplishments. You have three gold medals, four kids, a dog, uh, the best wife. I mean, I just read your bio and I was like, how do I get his life? Like, good Lord, man. I, and then my favorite part of it is uh, you don't have the number written, but as a strength and conditioning coach, for the Special Olympics, you have multiple gold medals as well. Can you explain how this became your passion and then turned it into such an amazing thing? Because I've never met a gold medalist, let alone someone who's won multiple, other than people in the Special Olympics. And so I kind of have, I'm gonna go with them first. But like, how do you do that? And like, what got you going through all that and gets you excited to keep going? Um, It's a crazy, uh series of events to be honest with you uh so i mean first off i've, I've always been a, a strength conditioning coach i'm like i'm not a, an olympian i've never won a medal personally i've always i've won it through my athletes right uh so first off that part um and so technically i'm not sure how responsible i am for the process i mean uh i, I think i am pretty i do have a relatively heavy weight in it but um you know <laughs> I, i'm with someone was that a pun because you're a strength and conditioning coach? You carry the heavy weight. That, yeah. uh, so honestly, I'll, I'll kind of try to make it as so I'm I'm working. I'm like uh, 20 years old. I'm working for a construction company in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and we were building uh, sewage and water treatment plants and uh, we're retrofitting them. And I'm working on this tank with this other guy, uh, like one of the entry tanks where the sewage comes in. And uh, we're on this raft and we're putting together these pipes and um, I kind of catch out of the corner of my eye and hear like a yell. Right. So I'm like, shit, something went, oh, sorry. Something went wrong. Right? Oh, you got it. You're, you're, do not worry about swearing. Okay. 
uh, something went wrong, right? So I tap him. I'm like, Paul, 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 something, something went wrong in the grit room. We got to go. We got to go. So we get out of the raft. We sprint into the grit room and I, I'm looking around and I come between these two tanks and I find this guy laying on the ground and he's in like this massive pile of blood. Like, and it was the darkest blood I'd ever seen in my life. Like it was crazy. And um, I kind of go up to him and he's kind of turning blue, like whitish, clammy in his face. And I didn't know what to do. So I just like reached in his mouth and I pulled his jaw down and he kind of gasped for air. So then I screamed to Paul. I'm like, call 911. So Paul calls 911. Uh, they come, you know, kind of goes as a whirlwind there. They come, they go home, ministry labor does interviews and stuff. I go home, please uh, get a call that night uh, that the guy died. Right. I didn't know him like he, I, but still the guy died. He's like 27 years old. I had two little kids. So I lasted like two more weeks. And then I just told my boss, I'm like, dude, just, just lay me off. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I'm just, I don't think I, I'm cut up. I'm just not cut for this. Like I'm good. I'm out. And, uh, my mom growing up in a trailer park, she'd always like kind of knew being healthy was important for some reason. And, um, so she kind of got me into exercise. So when I asked my boss to lay me off, uh, I just started working out like all day. Right. So, um, and then I was motivated though, by not knowing how to save the guy's life. So I took, uh, first responder courses and I became certified to teach first aid and CPR. And my plan was to start a company that would go to construction sites and teach it on site in the construction trailers so that the construction companies wouldn't have to send these guys because I was really upset that I couldn't do anything to save the guy's life. Like I didn't know what to do. Right. So I finished the course and as I'm working out in this gym, it was called fitness West at the time, uh, downtown Toronto. And, uh, there was a guy that was working out there named in your, your guests can Google him, Ian Walling. And he was Mr. All Natural of the Universe in 1998. So I'm going to kind of cite my age a little bit. So, uh, 29 and holding. <laughs> feeling great. So, uh, he's, um, he's working out and I'm always chatty. I'm talking and he's like, you know, you got a great personality. You should be like a trainer. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And he's like, uh, like I help people work out. And I'm like, well, what do you need to be able to do it? And at this time, um, he's like, well, you need first aid and CPR. <laughs> and I just got it, not for that reason. And then uh, I started working for Ian as a trainer and kind of, uh, I, I just loved it. And um, it was like years before, like the training industry was really kind of like, uh, I guess, governed and professional and let alone the strength conditioning industry it kind of wasn't even there at all. Um, at the Olympic level it was, it was around those that many years ago, but, uh, nothing kind of past that. And, uh, I just became like, a, an absolute, like not for knowledge. And, uh, I just started taking courses and, and reading books. And, um, I think back now at that time, the fitness industry was kind of like ready to be influenced by stuff that wasn't like bodybuilding. Okay. You know, and I think it was a lot of, it was just timing. I kind of, I've always had pretty good timing just naturally and, uh, by grace of something, you know, thanks, whatever, uh, uh, I've always had pretty good timing. So I, I think I just was in the right spot at the right time and, um, and I had the right attitude and I know it's just my, I just started taking off and start training people because I didn't have an education in it. You know, I was reading 
you know, books on plyometrics and powerlifting and, and uh, Olympic lifting and bodybuilding and, and sprinting and running. And, and I started combining all this stuff together and because uh, I thought there was value in all of it. And then next thing you know, uh, my career just kind of exploded. Um, so then I ended up uh, moving north and, uh, you know, coming to Sudbury, Ontario, where I live now. And I teamed up with the university and uh, I ran a, a strength conditioning company out of the university. I ended up being the strength conditioning coach for the varsity program at Laurentian University for like a decade. And I ended up being the performance director. <laughs> uh, so like I just, it just exploded. And, um, and I work with uh, like a bunch of professional athletes. One that maybe your listeners, your audience might know, I, I've been the strength conditioning coach for Nick Felino. He was the captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets for a bunch of years. Uh, he actually co-founded. Yeah, he actually co-founded the tech company with me. Um, so a, a whole bunch of athletes now, and uh, I think it, it just kind of—I don't know—I don't know—it just was a series of events that just got me there, and uh, and I and I loved it. So I, I always wanted to keep learning too, right? So that that oh, uh, this tech company. So let's dive into this because I I'm curious about you. It's blowing up. It's in three different countries. It, I'm guessing United States, Canada, yes. and Mexico. No. <laughs> no. I, I'm like, just went straight down the line. Yeah, no, uh, actually, we're in Canada, Sweden, and the United Kingdom. We actually aren't even in the, the U.S. yet. Um, yeah, so hopefully we will get in there soon. But um, those are the three countries we're in right now. And, um, you know, it, it really was... Uh, Kind of started with Nick and I, we were just kind of really, we were working out one day at his place and uh, his kids will pull up their, their high chairs and stuff in the mornings along the window and they look down and watch us work out. And we were like, man, like, isn't it great these kids are growing up in this environment and, you know, they're, they're thinking that fitness and health is like on the forefront and it's routine and everything. We were like, like, how could we, how could we like do something where we can influence kids like everywhere that way, right? And yeah. um, that was kind of the beginning of it. And then we started, uh, I, I like doing stuff. I'm a busybody, So uh, I just kind of, I just kind of took off with the idea and uh, started doing research and, and then realized like, well, what's the, what's the one place that pretty much every kid has their first physical experience and it's, is it right? It's gym class. Yeah. So we built a, a product that individualizes the phys ed experience for kids so that teachers don't have to kind of guess or group kids together in an environment where they might not be successful because you know maybe it's it's geared towards your physical needs and you might be the best athlete in the class but you have maybe a bunch of kids that aren't into athletics but they're taking phys ed anyways and mm -hmm. so our software allows for individualizing uh experiences mostly fitness experiences into a pathway that's just right for that individual kid um so they can succeed at their own pace right and the goal is for them to fall in love with exercise and uh for teachers to essentially you know not have any prep time and be able to kind of spend more time with the kids instead of behind paperwork so how do you separate this i'm going to bring your website in for everybody to see i'm going to give you a bigger screen and everything not me you Damn computer. <laughs> You're much better to look at than me. Trust me. The audience yeah. thanks me for that. So with this, here's your website. Talk to me about this and how you're taking this all-in-one physical education platform 
and advancing it to the next level and how can people get involved like what if i'm not exercise savvy i'm not somebody that likes to go to the gym i do but like what if i am somebody that didn't enjoy physical education class growing up can i sign up for this and be able to start learning about things or is it only kids and physical education teachers yeah it's it's just geared for phys ed teachers so it's just uh for it's just a tool for for those particular individuals or professionals in the field to basically equip them with resources and ai that custom built workouts and trains kids um there's yoga videos for them to give to kids to do and there's stuff on meditation and what have you um that's basically what it does and it's kind of like a management system as well so teachers can upload resources and share them with students and it what's the cool part that's been happening actually is that uh kids have been like accessing the platform outside of school so the concept would be like imagine like your kids like at on the weekend like open up their math textbook and just do work without it being homework like just go and try to do extra stuff yeah yeah so kids are actually like getting signed up to this thing through their schools and then they're actually like logging on on the weekends and on holidays and stuff and like doing exercises and workout plans in the product and we can monitor that participation rate um and they're doing it outside of school so it's actually kind of it's working from the standpoint of it's like it's infiltrating their their lifestyle right because yeah. it's tough like it's not really like a pass or fail like the, a pass would be like you fall in love with exercise not really yeah. a pass isn't really did 50 push-ups because there might be somebody in your class that's never done a push-up before so it's not really fair to compare them to somebody who's an athlete right yes you gotta so the goal really is that like everybody falls in love with moving you know hopefully i think that's phenomenal like okay so i love what you do how do you know these kids I, it's i i love it because i focus on mental health emotional health and it leads to being able to help you with the physical health and a lot of people think like oh i'm working out or oh i'm eating right and then they miss the meditation or they meditate and they eat right but they never do a push-up in their life how do you get people excited about working out? How do you get people, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I want to wake up and be like, all right, guys, we're going to do 100 push-ups together today. But there's that person who can only do five. How do you get them excited? I think, well, part of that is like, um, like talking about like the, the, the process of getting people excited about uh, their health is really like is assessing. So think of it like this, if, if, let's say uh, like a lot of our health is actually reactive, not proactive. Right. So like I get sick, I go to the doctor um, and the doctor says, you know, X, Y, Z is wrong with you. Here you go. But think of it like this, like imagine like I, I get sick, I go to the doctor and the doctor doesn't like ask me what my symptoms are. Uh, doesn't maybe do any blood work or send me for, you know, an ultrasound or, or a uh, x-ray and just prescribes a bunch of stuff. Like, it wouldn't work right like they yeah. have to they have to assess you they have to like get an understanding of where you're at so they can give you the proper stuff to heal you <laughs> so with physical health it always starts with like an assessment like you have to understand where you are today so that the example of let's all do 100 push-ups uh, if we assess everybody before we set that goal maybe the goal becomes hey team today we're going to do 500 
and I need mm -hmm. you three to contribute 80 and I need mm -hmm. you three to contribute 300 and I need you two to contribute fucking whatever the was left of the 80. I need you two to con contribute the 180 that's left over. Right. So, yeah, but you need to assess first to understand what's a, what's an, a reasonable goal to give to somebody. And, and that, that's really the trick to getting them, uh, uh, attached to it forever is because who likes to continue to do something that they set out to do that's good for them but they feel like they failed that because they set a goal that wasn't appropriate so, <laughs> right so 100 no one's gonna stick like no one's gonna stick to that they're gonna like this sucks shit i'm not gonna keep doing this I, I but that's but that's the thing that's where a lot of people start is they start with that mentality of oh, i'm gonna just fail at this anyways or i'm gonna go do it once and they get tight muscles how do you like it, i love how i'm drinking a ginger ale on a health talk i just i was having like horrible headaches today and i'm like i need something that's not pop that's pop like just to help with that i drink a water all day and it wasn't going anywhere i'm like i look horrible drinking a ginger ale right now I'm like hey pop but like how do you tell people because this is for kids this is for the physical education but what about the adult aspect? Could adults, could you make this an adult program? And I'm not telling you to change your business. Yeah, yeah. I'm asking in general for, I love the concept of it. Like if I brought you on my morning show and I said, hey, Cal, you and your buddy who is a hockey player, I hope he has all his teeth, but like <laughs> if he's, oh, that God. So you guys, you guys have to do a hundred push-ups each. And then I get the moms that are at home. Cause I have a bunch of moms that are at home teaching from all over the world. I say all the moms have to do, and we have no assessment because there's too many people yeah. doing a certain thing. Do you think that would have the same enthusiasm or is it because of it being a class with the teacher there, it becomes more of a competition. So it's like you five do 20 push-ups and uh, you five do this many to get to this number like we were just saying how do you do you think you could connect that in other ways and then have you seen it work with kids outside of that where maybe they are getting their family involved i think the the slope is slippery right because when you put it put it in in a competitive environment you're going to lose the kids that are like on the edge you know mm -hmm. and so you know, it has to be like a self-reflection, like an assessment that's about where they are. And it has to be, the narrative has to be clear that it's only about them and, and, and setting the goal for them. You can then say as a team or as a group, we're all going to do this goal. And you can say, I need you to contribute this many because that's because yeah. you know they can achieve that when you put it on them, right? And then they know they're contributing to the, to the overall goal for the group but you're not asking them to do something they can't do. Mm. Mm -hmm. so I, I think the, the competitive side of it gets wonky, right? Like yeah. our, our goal is, you know, to really, I mean, fast forward it. We have all these people that finish the Zed, you know, that are working professionals and such that are, you know, have lost the ability to understand their health and, so our goal is to keep it in the education system and, mm. and to get the education system equipped with the ability to uh, give kids the tools to learn to take care of themselves at that point. Like we learn math, basic yeah. math and get it right. We learn how to read and write 
Um, we learned some geography. We learned a bunch of things in, in school that equip us to be successful, right? Like, and in phys ed, there's not an amazing amount. There's not a lot of tangible skills you can take outside of that unless they're like team aspect, right? Like sport aspects. So sports cool because it, it develops a lot of leadership skills and, you know, character and working in a group. And I mean, it develops some uh, communication skills in an active environment. I think that stuff's great. But like, if you don't have 12 friends in a soccer field or you don't have 10 friends in a basketball court, like how do you, what skills have we given kids to stay in control of their health, especially in a pandemic, like sports was removed. So completely, completely. Right. Whereas if you learned how to work out, right. And you learned how to do yoga and meditate, like you could be locked in, you could be quarantined in a hotel in China and you could look for two weeks and you could completely come out fitter than you went in. Mm -hmm. And you don't need anybody. You could be alone. And so I, I think it's that piece that we're trying, like that we're focused on. Um, and and at, to answer your other question, like, can it adapt to adults? I think where we're focusing right now is like on, on the children to eventually change the, the effect on the adults. Yes. They're going to be adults, right? Like they're going to get there. So we've gone and said, okay, let's just focus all of our attention energy right now and resources on this segment. Yeah. And, mm. and with the long-term goal there. And if there's, companies out there that are doing great things for adults right now, then, you know, I mean, great. Um, and it's conversations like you and I are having that maybe motivate somebody to be like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to do it. And they might, and they are an adult, right? They're just like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And actually that's kind of, I, I was leaning in because your website, you're able to no one left behind and this is for kids and all that. So they can actually go on. And after they, the teacher has signed them, the physical education teacher has signed them up. Yeah, they can create their goals and they work with that. Now, how do they through all of this? Are they able to see that like they could be home and checking on this? They could be with their friends out at the park and be like, oh, I actually could get this done and want to be excited to work out type of thing. They can just look at it on their phone, just like anything else. Is that how you guys built this? Yeah. Yeah. They can just log in. They get like their own uh, like ID, you know, number to sign in. And then they can sign in and uh, there's like a, it's kind of cool. Actually, there's like a, they get a workout that's generated for them from the AI, like from the assessment. And then that workout's geared specifically to their physical capabilities, right? So they succeed. And then actually it learns from their behavior. So as they follow and do the workouts, um, it learns from the way that the students are uh, giving feedback to the exercises and it actually <laughs> regresses or regresses uh, the exercises so that they constantly are staying in a, uh, it's called the Goldilocks zone in kinesiology, but basically it's like RPE rate of perceived exertion between like, you know, five and six, which is where yeah. you have a lot of people to be at. Right. You want it to be so hard that they're like too sore and they could get hurt. You don't want it to be so easy that they, you know, they're not being challenged. They're not getting any, you know, metabolic stimulus from it at all or no adaptation. Um, yeah. so basically, uh, the software is always looking to kind of keep them in that zone um, and progress them as they feel ready to progress. Right. It's learning. Yeah. Them. So that's incredible. That's awesome. Have you noticed anything with their grades? I only asked because I've done, I've done a program where we focused on, we took the lowest of the low income yeah. that were not in sports in Cleveland. 
and we taught that we got them out exercising, but it was very short things. Like, so instead of running 10 miles or anything, they had to walk is just around the school a couple times. And it just started to break down that barrier for, oh, I can get exercise. But what was fascinating is we started to see their grade point averages for the kids that took it seriously even make a difference. Have you noticed anything with grades and or even the connection to mind, body, soul that you're seeing these kids be excited about it because they're actually growing and seeing the benefits of everything going on? We haven't been able to quantify that yet, uh, but we are we have a research project going right now um, awesome. to be able to pull in um, like uh, a mental health and well-being aspect uh, based off of the way that they're engaging. So uh, we're in that's in R&D right now, and I hope we have it something ready to uh, at least pilot by January. But yeah, we're, we're going in that direction, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, we'll, the whole piece in so that they realize, holy geez, like when I first started doing these exercise programs or follow this routine, I first started following it. Like, you know, generally I felt fatigued when I woke up and, you know, over the last three weeks I haven't right. Like mm-hmm. so trying to pull that, that mental kind of step back and how am I feeling and thinking piece. Uh, yeah. We're going to pull that into the platform uh, in the new year. I just, it's a newer program. I know you guys have been launching it and you're watching it grow. Uh, You're seeing it develop in three different countries and all that, but like, it's so unique. I love where you're going because I can see colleges being interested in this, like hitting those areas and that. And I I love that you're ahead of the game on that. Like you're hitting an area that's already above the curve and all that. With that, can we go back a step to the Special Olympics? Sure. I just have to. That's my specialty. That's what I love. I love the yeah. Special Olympics. I've done it for years. I sound like I competed. I've, I've fed the Special Olympics for years. Yeah. I was a chef. What got you into helping the Special Olympics? And I, I, I got my next question. Go ahead. What got you into the Special Olympics? It was a, a staff. I had hired a, um, a strength conditioning coach to work for my company. And um he started with me and then after he started he said hey like by the way i can't work thursday nights <laughs> after he'd already got hired and i was like oh, well like i was like i was i was kind of like put off right i was like what do you mean you can't work thursday nights and he's like well i volunteer with special olympics and i was like you do and he's like yeah i'm like well, why didn't you tell me that in the interview right like i think that's great and he's like well i was nervous that i'd have to give up a night of work and whatever so i'm like no it's awesome so at that time, he was volunteering with Special Olympics, and they were at uh, the YMCA downtown Sudbury. And uh, he went to do it like two weeks in a row, and then he was in an email fight with the coordinator one time in the office about stuff they had to do, and people were complaining about uh, some of the Special Olympics athletes making too much noise and stuff. And I'm like, dude, just bring him here. Like, just bring him to the university. I'll tell the university we're just going to have him here, and we'll take – and we had a varsity strength conditioning room, right, for the sports teams. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you know what? I'll just pull a heavy. I'll just book the varsity strength conditioning room, and we'll train them in there like they're pro athletes. Like, don't worry about it. So I talked to the university. And I'm like, listen, this is what we're going to do. And uh, they were like, you know, okay, kind of, right? They're a bit nervous about risk and stuff. And I'm like, it's, it's, don't worry about it. It's, gonna, it. it's great. Like, don't worry about it. So that's how I, I got involved. And then when I got involved, uh, I went to help one night. Um, as soon as they came the first night, I went to help. And now, like, whatever, it's been, like, 
eight years later. And I love uh, that. I'm still coaching. Um, we just actually started back up. Um, so I, I coach this bed, like the powerlifting team for Special Olympics. Yeah. So, um, but, and we just actually literally started back up. Last Sunday was our, our first night in like a year and a half because of COVID. And they were so excited. Oh my God. The rules are so funny, right? Like, they're like, you know, I got to go through all these hoops. Like, and, and I, I, because of the uh, COVID, I had to leave the university. So, um, uh, because the university closed down and I'm like, well, I'm not going to close down. Like, cause I actually own the company that operated inside the university. Gotcha. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to leave. So I left and I opened up my own, uh, like high performance training center in Sudbury, um, which is where I'm sitting right now on the other side of that window, there's a gym and people working out and stuff and turf and everything. So, um, this is so if you hear anything, sorry, but uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I'm like, so I go through all these hoops and I'm like donating the time and everything. Right. And I'm going through all this stuff with special Olympics. Like I'm going to wear a face shield and masks and gloves and everything. Right. And, uh, and I get it. Like, it's fine. I understand. I, I don't have any judgments on that stuff. Whether you're on this side of the fence of COVID or that side, it doesn't matter to me. Right. Whatever. Nope. So, uh, I'm like, okay. So I go through all of this rigmarole and no contact and everything. Right. First day, open up the door. Danny walks in, boom, huge hug. Right. <laughs> right. I'm like, fuck it, right? Like, what? Yes! Like, right? Like, just, I can't stop these guys. Like, they just, it's been no. a year and a half of them. Yes. Being, like, they, I'm like, forget it, whatever. Like, so. I love that. I yeah. love that, though. Because they don't, it's not even that they don't understand. It's, they're tired of it. They want that connection. But yeah. the fun thing about that is, I, I love the powerlifting. I, I've seen the powerlifting done with the Special Olympics for years. I, I've been a part of the Columbus one. So it's funny that your buddy's in Columbus. I go to the volunteer at the Special Olympics every summer. So I specifically make sure I have the time slot off for the powerlifting because I've never seen a competition like this. The, the athletes encourage each other in a way that's so amazing. Like, it just blew my mind watching this guy – He's getting the weight up, and I'm not a power lifter, but I, I, I know, and I can get it up, and he got it stuck. And you heard all the athletes encouraging him. You got it. Come on. Come on. And they are just so in love with wanting to see their friend succeed. Yeah. I was sitting in the back, and the parents are all pulling out cell phones, recording all of these kids cheering their friends on, cheering these athletes on. So I say that to say – with the difference between an Olympic gold medal, even though it was a coach, yeah. and a Special Olympics gold medal, yeah, was there a difference in how you felt winning that medal? Ah, uh, that's a cool question. I, I, I was literally, that's why I had to stop myself before diving in on the other one is I was like, yeah. uh, I thought of it and was like, there's a way to ask this. I want to make sure he like, and I don't mean to spot that on you like that. I just no, think good. that. It's such a different energy. Like, could you even, if you can't answer it like that, could you explain the difference in the feel of the competition and the gold medal to the competition in the Special Olympics uh, gold medal? Honestly, um, yeah, there isn't. Like, it's the same because you know they're like high end athletics is weird, right? Like, yeah, everyone at that level is trying as hard as they can, so it's it's relative, right? Like it doesn't, it yeah. doesn't really matter. So I find like 
I think when I think back to, so my uh, Olympic gold medals for Special Olympics, I've got nine uh, of them for powerlifting. Um, and uh, majority of those are from one athlete, actually, uh, Jose Seguin. Um, and that was in Abu Dhabi. Uh, that was in Dubai. She went to Worlds and, uh, and actually got nine goals uh, or eight goals. And I got another gold with another athlete. Um, but she got eight golds at, uh, in Abu Dhabi in 2000 and the year before COVID. And, and I got to tell you, like training up to that event and like, you know, as hard as she trained and the sacrifices she made and everything, like there really, there isn't any difference between what she's doing and accomplishing than there is between like, you know, an Olympian that we see in the winter Olympics or the summer Olympics. Um, yeah, yeah. It's the same. And the feeling is kind of, I mean, the feeling for me was uh, just as awesome on, on both sides. I don't, I don't really know if I can separate them in a way where they would be different. You know, I think they're, they're just exactly the same. You know, I love that. I love that. Hey, so give us an inspirational story because you've been in places. <laughs> I'm baiting you on that one. Give us a, or you could tell us a story of your first Browns game and how you're the lucky chair for the Browns. Oh my God. So <laughs> that, uh, that's kind of um, nuts. So I was just uh, telling Brandon for all the listeners before we uh, came on, I'm like, I've actually been to Columbus twice. Like once my wife and I were driving, or uh, to, sorry, Cleveland twice. Once we were driving to Columbus to visit Nick, um, and we stopped there to go to this diner that my wife had seen on some cooking show. And, uh, so we went there and had food, which was great actually. And then, um, a second time my, there was four buddies and I, we rented an RV and we drove down actually November 10th to, uh, see a Browns game. And we also went to, uh, a high school football game too, while we were down there, Havergale, maybe I think it was called Havergale. And, uh, Anyways, we go down there and we. I'm trying to think what that might be. <laughs> yeah. And so, anyways, we go to this Browns game and it turns out to be the first game they had won in like two seasons or something, right? And they're on the Buffalo Bills and it was bananas. Like, and some guy climbed up on our RV and we rented like a big RV, like not a small one, like it was a bus. This guy climbs up the top of it, jumps off and like goes flying through these tables and like it was unbelievable. But I had so much fun, like just a great bunch of people, never like never a feeling of anything like ever other than just warmth and like just a bunch of people that just want to have a ton of fun with me. I ate so much food, like every every trailer or bus I went by, uh, like just people like, come here, come here, have some food. And like, you know, then I start talking, yeah. like, where are you from? And I'm from northern Ontario and like, oh, my God, you're from northern Ontario here. Have a beer, have a sausage, like just uh <laughs> The wicked, awesome. It was just the wickedest time. So, uh, but it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And we stayed, which now I've realized is crazy. We slept in the RV in, in a place called the Steel Yards in a Walmart parking lot. Um, and because we were, we were saving money. I don't know why, but whatever. Uh, no, you were, I get it. You have a trailer. Why would you need to get a hotel room and all that? And it's a big bus, right? Like, what do we need? Right. We, need a hotel? we just sleep, we live, sleep in the bus. So, and this big beautiful bus so uh we we slept in the in the in the bus the night before the game because we wanted to get into uh a, a lot early 
So we didn't want to drive from out the outskirts of Columbus or uh, Cleveland to downtown. You know what I mean? First thing. So we wanted to get as close to the arena as we could. And that was the only Walmart we could find that was pretty close um, that would let us stay. Uh, so they let us stay in the parking lot. And then in the morning, we just, we got up at like four, no, five. And then we drove down, um, waited in line. It wasn't that long. We met this guy named Stinky in the lineup. He was great. He had this. You uh, know Stinky? Yeah. I don't know. I know Stinky. Okay. So I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was, it's just the name. Like, how do you not, like, if somebody's name is Stinky, you'd remember them, you know? Right. Yeah. So, and then uh, ended up being friends with him and. And it was great. Like it's just a just a super great time and lots of fun. But that's my my two uh, Cleveland, Ohio stories. That's it. And I've been a Browns ever since. I've been honestly, I follow the Browns ever since because it was just such a such a neat. I don't know. Just for my first NFL football game, that was my first NFL football game, and it was just kind of like I've I kind of just fell in love with the concept of it. I just got hooked, and they won, and that, like so it was a big it was a big hoopla, right? So I kind of got hooked. So I've been following them ever since, and. It's been great. So uh, without me going on a Browns thing, uh, it's the largest fan base in the entire world. It has more Browns backers. You can go anywhere in the world, for real, any major city, and then you can download. What's that? Yeah, you find a Browns fan. Yeah. Well, they have a Browns backers bar. So, like, you could be in Rome and literally be like, where can I watch the Browns game? And it will have a bar somewhere around Rome for you to be able to go that's sponsored by the Cleveland Browns as a Browns backers bar because people go to it that much. Like in San Francisco, there's six of them. And I'm like, why do they need that many in a city like that? That's hilarious. You know, they have the 49ers. It's crazy. The fan base is rabid. And it's a lot of fun, though. It's it's a good time. And I'm glad you had a lot of fun. But I want to go back to your website. So with everything you're doing you've had a business that you've had three one's doing great another one is doing phenomenal it sounds like you you and your buddy nick how can the delight cafe network be able to help you guys keep expanding and growing and doing what you're doing and show obviously support is like go hit your follow button and go do the facebook thing what else can we do how can we be able to connect with you and have our audience be able to know they're helping you spread a positive message around the world. Um, well, that's kind of the reason why I reached out. Uh, I, you know, I think we're kind of doing it. Like, I think just by listening and sharing the story and, and like bringing uh, like the authenticity to what we're doing by just talking, right? Like, I don't know okay. how many people that you're going to have watching this that might have a sister or an uncle or a friend that's a phys ed teacher and might say, Hey, listen, I just saw this guy uh, on the, the light show. He was, he was great. He was fun. And I'm hoping that you can see that I'm a genuine person and I'm in this for the right reasons. And, and I think that's important uh, yeah. to, to a story, right? Like uh, I think that's an important piece. And on the internet, it's hard to really know that, right? Like anyone can put a web page up or put whatever up and, you don't really know who's behind the scenes and you can do your about us and write it, you know, the best you can, but there's nothing better than just getting out and getting to know people and letting people get to know you. Right. Mm. So my, what really the, your crew can do is just like, I'm grateful for them to just be here and listen to me. And, awesome. and, and then from there, you know, share away, 
you know, share with your friends, share with whatever, like, and, and, and just in stories, right? Like just stories. Mm -hmm. I hope that something I, I've uh, connected, somehow I've connected and we've had a laugh, right? And, uh, and something I said, you know, you resonated with, I think that's a, a big piece. Like, you know, I'm, uh, I think I'm fortunate to come from probably like uh, where a lot of people come from as opposed to like, you know, the, the 1%. Um, and that's relatable, right? Like, I, I yep. so I just, I want to connect and relate and, and get it out there. That's it. So this is going to be the fun, fun conversation part. Okay. All right. <laughs> the rest of it, you were, you were being grilled. All right. <laughs> sure. So how does, how do you determine that you've been a success so far in life? And then what keeps you going? Um, I think what like determines whether I've been a success so far in life right now is like, I measure off of, of the people I'm around. Mm. So, you know, and are the people that are around me, like, are they getting better? Mm -hmm. you know, are there, are their lives improving? Are like, that's to me, like where I get it from. I don't really have like a self piece you know like a like a number on the wall somewhere or whatever like to me it's more about like okay is everyone around me doing great right now because if they're doing great i'm i mm. must not i'm doing everything i'm supposed to be doing like i'm doing well you know like mm. everyone's doing great so that's kind of my kind of like my checks and balance you know as to what mm -hmm. and the second part with story what was the second part again the second part was with um how will you, I, I'm going to change it. How do you know that you're leaving your impact on the world? Ah, uh, well, I guess, uh, that, um, when people think about how will I know I have my impact on the world? Because when people think about me, they got like a smile on their face. That's my favorite I've had so far. And I do a lot of these because everybody usually has like, oh, that my company does well. Oh, that my company is able to do this. Oh, my book does well, whatever it may be. And you're just genuine. You're like, no, I just, I want people that when they say my name, I have a smile on their face. That's, that's so awesome. Like, they, all right. So the way we end every episode Okay, because we're coming up to the last few minutes and all that yeah, sure. is we speak positivity out to everybody. So we give an inspirational word. You could say, hey, my favorite quote from Gandhi is whatever, you know, uh, go be the change you want to see in the world. Stuff like that. Like you could do that. I will go first. So you see an example of it and it gives you a second to think. And I'm even going to single my face out. Take it. And if I, and that way you get a chance to think. And if you want to cheat and Google something, I'll be on the screen for a second to help you out. All right. Okay. All right. So guys. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, honestly, it's, I always go first because I want you to feel comfortable okay. and you deserve a minute to actually think because knowing you want to say something nice is hard. You know, it's like you can always be nice to somebody, but saying something inspirational doesn't just flow always you know yeah awesome all right so guys what a great episode um uh, is doing 
amazing things. He's helping kids be able to better themselves. He's inspiring them to be able to do more. He looks inside and saw like, hey, if everybody else around me is doing good, I must be doing well. I must be doing well. And that is something that a lot of leaders don't take into consideration. So with Callan coming on today, it's he could easily brag about his gold medals, even though he was a coach. He could still brag about them. I don't have any. He could brag about what he's been doing with other areas and having hockey player friends and all that. Or he could take the time to see that his impact on the world is what he's doing is making that big difference one person at a time. And that's all all of us are doing. So today I learned from Callan what an amazing way it is to just show up daily and know that if you have, if everybody around you still smiling and they're doing good themselves, you're doing something right as the leader. I'm so grateful we got to have someone like him on today and he's welcome back anytime to play with us, work us out, or even just yell at me because maybe I ate too many sweets, okay? At the end of the day, thank you, Callum, for coming on. You did, you're doing amazing things and don't ever change because people like you are changing the world. Thank you for that, buddy. Wow. How do you do that? <laughs> I just complimented you. Every other guest ever done just faint. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I'm so sorry. Um, wow. Like, uh, there it is. So, I guess if I was gonna leave everybody with something positive, I can say that, you know, it's okay to be afraid to do what you think is right, but. You know it's not okay to just not do it so and whether that's something that has to do with like a thought you've been having about your own behavior and something that you know you don't like it's it's hard but it's okay to like acknowledge that you don't like it or whether that's something to do with your environment that you're in um that there's something that you see that you just feel uncomfortable with and you're scared you know it's okay it's okay you know um but it's not okay to not change it. So, you know, just, just if you, if you just sense it, you know, just be calm and just make the changes. And uh, if we can all just do that, uh, we can uh, have a pretty rocking and rolling awesome time here on planet earth. (laughs) 100%. Yes. Well said. Well said. I love it. So guys, uh, I'm going to share the website one more time. It's I Reperformance is not what it's supposed to be said. Reperformance app. Say it so I don't wrap it up. <laughs> it's uh, it's reperformanceapp.com, and it's 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 all one word, but only one uh, p in rep. So it's it's R E P E R F O R. That's that's why I I'm like, is it reperformance? Did I yeah. did I mess this up the whole time? And I was like, crap, I screwed that up. Guys, okay. go get on, on there. There's Facebook, there's Instagram. Go give a like, a subscribe, a follow. Do what you're supposed to do, and make sure to share this out there. Otherwise, it was just a great episode, and we all learned from Callan on our own. So, guys. Thank Callan. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your night. Please, buddy, just don't ever stop to stop to say you want to stop by and say hi. You're always welcome to the Delight Cafe. All right, my friend. Beautiful. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Have a good one, guys.
See ya.